our God is great. He is holy. He is the Almighty. He reigns forever and ever. And it's in Him we can hope and have our confidence and joy. As we think of our great God, did you notice in the song there it kind of ended, but it didn't end? You know, it seems that every time we praise God, we just pick right back up and begin praising Him again as we continue to think of the fact that His glory, His majesty, His power, it's inexhaustible, it's indescribable, it's something that we will spend all eternity seeking to fathom. The glory, the majesty, honor of our God. As I think of that, may you think of the fact that that God who is almighty, all-powerful. Is he truly our God? Is he your God, yours personally? Do you know him? Has he saved you, and is he your life and hope? I know for many of us, we're gathered together as a Christian church. This is an assembly of believers. And so the question is, do we live it? Thank you, choir. Thank you, Brother Reisinger. Thank you, Mrs. Toole on the piano for that song. Take your Bibles and turn with me to Galatians. Galatians chapter 3. As we think of the question of do we live it, what is our life? As we continue our series through our statement of faith, we have looked at the fact that we believe in the salvation of man. We believe that man is helpless to save himself and that salvation is a gift of God received solely by faith in the substitutionary work of the Lord Jesus Christ, who bore our sins in his own sinless body on the cross, thus exchanging places with the believer. God loves mankind, though mankind are sinners, so much that he sent his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, to die on the cross who was buried and three days later rose again so that mankind could be saved from their dreadful state of sin, dreadful curse of sin. But it's not just to save for some insurance against the lake of fire. It is a salvation that is real and living. As we've gone through our series, we believe, yes, we believe, but do we also live? Do we live the salvation of man. Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20 is one of my favorite verses in all of the Bible. For it deals with not just the salvation of man in the fact of forgiveness of sins and everlasting life, but deals with the condition of man in the day-to-day -day of life. Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20 the Apostle Paul declares, and I declare with him, and I hope all of you declare with him, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. There we see summarized, in many cases, the different aspects of our statement of faith, particularly that of the substitutionary work 
of Jesus on the cross and the exchanging places, or we might say the identifying with Christ. So you believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. Your sins have been forgiven. You have everlasting life. Oftentimes, and partly due to the, the failure of how the gospel is sometimes presented, we think of this everlasting life as something that begins in the future. Brothers and sisters, when the salvation takes place in your life, that everlasting life that comes, you receive at the very moment you believe. You receive everlasting life. Your everlasting life does not happen in the great blessed hope of the rapture or the catching up. It doesn't take place at that day to be absent from the body is to be present from the Lord in death. No, it begins at the moment you believe you receive everlasting life. Now, here's something fascinating about it. As a child, I did not understand this, and it was many years before I really understood it and to be candid, I am still seeking to truly comprehend it. But that everlasting life I received is not some kind of magical thing that took place in my heart. It is not some kind of special oxygen I breathe. It is the very life of Jesus Christ living his life in and through me. Well, what is declared in the scripture? I am crucified with Christ. None of us have seen a crucifixion. None of us have experienced a crucifixion. But yet, if you this morning are a believer, you are identified, united with Christ, and as he was crucified, so you and I have been crucified. There's lots of scriptures that deal with this topic. We could spend an entire study of multiple series, actually, of going through of how this life exchange takes place. The simplistic basics of it is, is that you, the old man, were crucified with Christ, and your life now is not yours. In fact, because you're me, we're dead. The life that we are now living is the life of the Lord Jesus Christ, he is our life. We are dead. Here described as crucified with Christ. Do you see it? Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. Christ lives in you, brothers and sisters. And so if we are to live the salvation of man, we're living the life of Jesus Jesus in us, as Colossians 3 describes it, the hope of glory. Yes, it doesn't seem like we have Christ living in us sometimes. That's why that passage there declares the hope of glory. But the seeming is not the point. The seeming is not the point. It is the reality of it. And we recognize and acknowledge that to be so. You know it will change how we live in our statement of faith, we confess that we believe that man is helpless to save himself. So often Christians get confused, and it's nothing new. It's why the whole book of Galatians was written. We acknowledge and recognize that the salvation, that, that transaction that takes place of redemption, of redeeming, 
is all of God. That it is not of works lest any man should boast. But then we get confused in our minds to continue on thinking that the day-to-day life is us being good, is us keeping the law. Now, Galatians was written, this book here particularly, to a particular region where it was a Gentile region, and there were lots of Gentiles, but there were also Gentiles or non-Jews. There were lots of Jews. Some of these Jews had forsaken some of the customs and some of the laws of Moses that had been passed from generation to generation. And there was a problem in the church, not just in the region of Galatia, but a region throughout the world, and in fact, in some ways, it still exists today in different forms, of where it was thought that you, once you believed in Jesus and received Jesus, that then you lived and must keep the law of Moses. And a big debate was the topic of circumcision in this case. The entire book of Galatians is written to say, no, that's not so. We are saved by the work of Jesus Christ. We are helpless to save ourselves. And not only are we saved by that, but day by day we are delivered. Day by day we are saved. Day by day we live in the righteousness of Christ. If we look here at the verses surrounding our key text, Galatians chapter 2, we were looking at verse 20, but if we look at verses 19 and 21, we see some warnings some important things for us to understand. Galatians chapter 2, verse 19, he says, For I, through the law, am dead to the law, that I might live unto God. Sometimes we get the idea that once saved, or in any case, we are keeping the law of God. In this case here, it was very specific, the law of Moses. The law was a ministration of death. We find in Galatians we are not under the law. In fact, here is the declaration. There is, he says, I am, I am dead to the law. For he goes on to say, I am crucified with Christ. That crucifixion causes the believer to be dead to the law. If you weren't dead to the law, the law would have a power over you of death. Did you know that? We could discuss the topic of whether or not the law has any application to Gentiles. I won't get distracted by that topic. For a moment, let's just take it and take the broadest understanding that it applies to us all. If the law were held and we were all under the law, the law would condemn every one of us. Every single one of us. There would be no hope of it. In fact, scriptures even declare that... um, If one offendeth in one point, he is guilty of all. The law is a ministration of death. But when you are crucified, you die to the law. The law holds no power over you, both in commands as well as, as well as in its condemnation and judgment. But you might say, yeah, well, I'm not dead. But yes, you are. Paul declares here, I am crucified with Christ. But then he says, nevertheless, I live, yet not I. The life here is not a life under the law. 
It is a life that is in Jesus Christ. For when we believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, it is as if we were crucified with Jesus Christ and we died with him. And when Jesus Christ rose from the dead, because we are united with Christ and identified with Christ, it is as if you and I rose from the dead and we walk in a newness of life that is not under the law. That's why, again, he says, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. We're going to come back to that phrase, but let's go on to verse 21. For he declares, I do not frustrate the grace of God. For if righteousness came by the law, then Christ is dead in vain. You see, we need to have righteousness. As we learned a few weeks ago, we have no righteousness. None righteous. We're in serious trouble. We need righteousness. And you don't get righteousness by keeping the law. You never get righteousness by keeping the law. And if you did, Paul declares, then Christ died in vain. Because if you or I could do something to save ourselves, then Christ didn't have to die. We could have just saved ourselves, right? Except for the fact that we couldn't. But no, Paul declares, I will not, I do not frustrate the grace of God. This is the gift of God, His righteousness, the righteousness of Jesus Christ. It is given to us. We receive it by faith, not by works. So how do we live our life? Just as Paul declared here. He says, I'm crucified. I'm dead with Christ. Nevertheless, I live but yet not I. Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, here is the important part. We still live in this body, this flesh. And I don't know about you, but um, I still have aches and pains. I still have fleshly desires. Later in the same book, we learn about the works of the flesh. All of this is a problem. It's a problem under the sin curse. And if I try to do it in my own, I'm going to be in big trouble. And so if I'm going to live this life in the flesh, I live it by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. There's a little phrase here that I think is, is wisely translated here, by the faith of the Son of God. It's a little bit awkward for us, and we might want to substitute it and say that it's the faith in. But really, it's intriguing here, because this is about the faithfulness of Jesus Christ. Our life, in fact, our faith is in his faithfulness in who he is. That's why my life is 
by the faith of the Son of God. And he's the one who loves me, and he's the one who gave himself for me. Again, not just to have my sins washed away, but gave himself for me that I might have his life. He, the one who is love, flowing through me. What an incredible truth that is. And so how do we live? Well, it's not just the faith of the one who loved me and gave himself for me. We too live by faith. We don't have time to preach through the whole book of Galatians this morning, although I was tempted to read the whole book. It is so real. Look with me at chapter 3 and verse 11 where it makes this declaration. The just, remember righteousness would, is not by the law, justice being right with God, being just, righteousness, having just righteousness before God, does not come by the law, for then would Christ be in vain. It comes through faith. In fact, we learn in chapter 3 and verse 6 that that's how Abraham believed. Way back in that dispensation, he believed God and his faith was counted for righteousness, trusting in God. And now we find out in verse 11, it says that the just shall live by faith. This is a faith in the faith of Jesus Christ, the one who is perfect, the one who is sinless, the one who has all power on heaven and earth, the one who is the very essence of life. And so the just shall live by faith. And how does this cause us to live? Survey through the book again with me to chapter 5 and verse 1. Really, chapter 5 and verse 1 is the, is the climax of a whole dissertation regarding the importance of freedom. And this declaration is given in summation of it all. Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free, and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. There were people in that day who were saying, yes, you're saved by the grace of God, and you have the freedom in God, but you continue to live by keeping the law. Paul declares, saying, no, you are free from the law. You are free. You have a liberty. Stand fast in this liberty. And just as it says over in chapter 3, be not, do not frustrate the grace of God. Here it is, stand fast and be not, be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Now, some have looked at this and had trouble with this and even had trouble with how I've explained it because they would say, why, you're teaching that people can be lawless. Oh, no. No, I'm not. In fact, neither was Paul because Paul just keeps on going. That's why sometimes it's hard to just pull these verses out because the whole thing's tied together. For if you look as he continues on in verse 13 in this dissertation of chapter 5, he says, for brethren, ye have been called unto liberty. There he says it again. Stand fast in that liberty. You have been called to this liberty. Only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh. Yes, this life that I now live in the flesh, how do I live it? To be lawless and to give occasion to do however I feel like? No. This life that I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God. I live by faith in Him and I thereby have a liberty, a freedom that I stand in, and I must not use this liberty as an excuse to live lawless 
to give an occasion to the flesh. But what's the opposite? What's this life of Jesus inside of me result in? By love, serve one another. You know why that's a big deal? Because Jesus, who is the creator, as we the choir sang in that song, only God, the Almighty, the Holy One, the Great One, only God, how amazing He is. He lives inside of you and I, and He is the one who is supreme over all. Jesus set the example of all who humbled himself and became one of us. And in Philippians, it's described as a servant. And let me tell you, if therefore Jesus is living inside of you, he is not going to go out living in debauchery and wickedness and evil and sin. For there is no sin in him. If he is living inside of you, he will be loving others and will be serving others. And if your life is really his life, that's what we're going to be doing because he is our life. He is doing this love. He is this one who is serving. He, the greatest of all, became the servant of all. And in his infinite glory, abiding and indwelling us through his Holy Spirit, he will be serving one another through you and I. So it is not something that says, oh, we can now go live in debauchery and wickedness. Oh, no. But it is by love serving one another. And what does this look like? What does this look like? Well, here you see the declaration to stand fast in this liberty. You have the liberty. You have the liberty Will you use it as an occasion to the flesh? Or will you use it as the opportunity to yield to the Spirit of God and be filled with Him? Follow with me in the survey. If you jump down to chapter 5 and verse 16, Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, declares this, This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. This life that I now live in the flesh, sometimes we get caught up and we're just like overwhelmed with it. Oftentimes because we do not reckon, consider, declare ourselves to be dead indeed into sin. We do not see ourselves as crucified and that our life is Christ's. When we do see that our life is Christ's, we will walk in the Spirit That is the Spirit of God, and we will not fulfill the lusts, the passions, the desires of the flesh. We won't even give occasion to them. For what are they? If you look in verse 17, for the flesh lusteth against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary the one to the other, so that you cannot do the things that you would. This battle is real. But it's oftentimes real because we, as we are living in our flesh, have forgotten Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20. I am crucified in Christ. Nevertheless, I live. In the life I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. 
When that is real, this struggle goes away. For then the Spirit, it is the faith of Christ, His life living in me. But if ye be led of the Spirit, ye are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these. Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, which is an idea of an intense passion of sensuality, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance. This is like fighting and strife. Emulations. Here this is a question of, of envies, of relating not strictly to envies, but more of the jealousies that cause trouble. Wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envies, murderers, drunkenness, revelings, partying without absent of mind, or partying absent of mind, and such like. He says, of the which I tell you before, as I've told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. This is what the flesh is lusting to do. Sometimes we see these things in our own lives because we are not living our doctrine of the salvation of man. God has saved us from these things. And when we are saved by Christ and united with him, our life is his life. And he doesn't do these things. Or look at verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit. Notice in verse 19, it's the works of the flesh. Works, here it's fruit. The fruit of the Spirit is what? Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. Notice here again, it's coming contrasting this here. You have the idea of being under the law and under the law, and you know, you're free from being from under the law. And here now you find out that, oh, we're actually not doing the things condemned by the law, but we're actually doing things against such there is no law. Isn't that an interesting parallel and contrast? We're not doing things forbidden by the law, but rather we are filled with or bringing forth the things against such there is no law. And look here at verse 24. And they that have Christ, and they that are Christ's, have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. This is the Spirit of God. Parallel here with me, Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20, I am crucified with Christ. Here look in Galatians chapter 5 in verse 24, and they that are Christ's have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. Do you see here now, back in Galatians 2.20, the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God. You see, it's about death and life. 
It's about death and life. When we are dealing with the struggles of temptation and failure in our own personal lives, those sins, those very things that apart from the shed blood of Jesus Christ, the one who loved us and gave himself for us, condemn us to an eternity in the lake of fire. By the grace of God, our faith in him, we have life and salvation from that. And those things need not reign in our lives they do not have to be king in our lives. We now are free to let Jesus live. That flesh, all its affections, things it loves, and lusts, things that it desires, when we see our life hidden in Christ and Christ's life as our life, those things are dead. And all of our life is in Jesus and so as we consider all of this what difference does it make well it ought to make a difference in how we fight temptation it ought to make a difference in our spirit it ought to make a difference in everything but let me show you something that's really intriguing as the book of Galatians is wrapping up look with me at Galatians chapter 6 and verse 14. But God forbid that I should glory, save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world is crucified unto me, and I unto the world. What do we boast in? What do we glory in? What do we celebrate day by day in life? Paul says, I will glory in the cross of Jesus Christ because he sees and he knows that if he goes forth living this life in the flesh, that everything both in the world and the affections of the flesh and the desires and lusts of the flesh, all of it has been crucified when Jesus was crucified on that cross. And so he will glory, and I will glory, and will you glory in the cross of Jesus Christ, whereby you and I have been crucified with Christ, and yet we live. We live not to serve this world, not to serve the lusts and affections of our lives, but we live glorying in the salvation that we have through Jesus Christ and his death on the cross. We glory. We glory. We glory. We celebrate this wonderful truth that our life is hid in Christ and Christ is our life. Oh, the glory of it all. This morning, have you received the salvation of Jesus Christ? Have you believed on the Lord Jesus Christ and had your sins forgiven and washed away? Have you been crucified with Christ? Do you live? And do you live continually in Christ? Or today, do you realize you've been trying to live in death 
Will you live and stand fast in the liberty that's only in Jesus? This is why we glory. We glory in the cross of Christ. This is why, as oft as we do it, we observe communion. What do we do in communion? We remember. We remember that Jesus Christ gave himself for us. It's a time, really, of glorying in the cross. And so that, later in that day, throughout the week, in our daily lives, when we find the dead affections of our flesh, the dead lusts of our flesh, the empty and vain attraction of the world around us, we do not glory in those things, for we remember that in those things and for those things, Jesus Christ died, and I died with him. I reckon myself indeed dead unto sin, I am reckoned, I consider it to be fact as if as good as and clear as it's a transaction on the statements. I am dead to those things, but I am alive to God, for he is my life. And we can glory in that. Let us glory. And so if you look here, remember that we live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. We live by faith. We stand fast in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free. We use not this liberty as an occasion for the flesh. We walk in the Spirit that we fulfill not the lusts of the flesh, and we glory in the cross of Jesus Christ. Did you see that as we went through? Look again with me, Galatians 2.20. We live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved us and gave himself for us. Chapter 3, verse 11, we live by faith. Chapter 5, verse 1, we stand fast in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free. Only verse 13, we use not this liberty as an occasion for the flesh. Verse 16, we walk in the Spirit, and we shall not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. In chapter 6 and 14, chapter 6 and verse 14, we glory, we celebrate in the cross of Jesus, knowing that it is through his death, burial, and resurrection that we live and have life. Gracious God, we bow to you and give thanks to you for the life that you have given to us. May we live it. We thank you for the salvation that you have poured out upon those who believe. May we abide in your spirit. May we, as these scriptures have taught us, live in you, stand fast in you, and glory in you. You are our hope. You are our sure, sure foundation, and we hope and rest in you. Lord, I pray for those here this morning who do not have this hope and rest, those here this morning who have not believed, that today they would believe on you, receive life, and that together we all might walk in your life, in your spirit. Glorify yourself through us, I pray in your name. Amen.